What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. There's something spinning. There's more buttons to push. Go. It says we're live. Go. <laughs> Is it does it? Okay. Yeah, it says we're live. Too fucking old for this shit, Bobby. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Candlestick Kids podcast. TCK Pod here. I th- I believe this is episode three sixty four. I've been I've been doing episodes here now for a while, and Sky texts me every week and tells me they got the number wrong. So I don't fucking know what episode it is, but it is an episode. Okay, and, and in fact. This is the beginning of a, a two-week series that I firmly believe, and I believe Bobby does too. I believe it's the most important series that uh, this 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 podcast group is going to do all fucking offseason. It's the coaching changes. Nothing's more important than the coaching. I'm Dewey is nuts. All Z is no S's. It might be written on the screen in a minute. I don't know how this works. New technology. Uh, next to me, Bobby Lamarco. How are you, man? We The first time together on screen. How you feeling about it? I'm just fighting back the emotion. I'm so excited. I'm happy. You know, I might start crying. This is a big moment for us. This is our inaugural episode. This is awesome. I'm very excited. We may or may not have two live viewers right now. You know what? If you're watching live, there's a private chat on here somewhere. Say hello to us. Maybe we can find the chat. Maybe we can't. I don't know. (laughs) I don't. You know what? I'll surprise you. We'll, We'll surprise ourselves on this one. Um, but we're gonna get into this series here in just a minute. First, I just want to tell you, hey. Uh, tckpod.com that's where we sort of live as a group but we're all individual people you can find us and talk to us bobby you're on you're on twitter ffx factor is that right that's correct sir and you will respond to every single dm these people send you today i'm like right about that too can't wait i'm multitasking as we speak you've got nothing else going (laughs) on i heard someone a birthday you've got to go to it's fine Uh, i'm on twitter as well look at my name under my face if you can tear your eyes away from this beautiness, uh, Lucas underscore Caser two, also a member of the TCK family. He's on Twitter. And if you want to hit Sky, who's sort of the man, 
uh, fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Instagram. That's where he prefers to live. Uh, you know, Sky did tell us, Bobby, that we should start out and talk about uh, J.J. Watt moving to Arizona. But to me, J.J. Yeah. Watt is almost completely washed up and it doesn't fucking matter. Do you want to talk about J.J. Watt? <laughs> oh, wow. Look, look, look. He's got- the guy's going to play in six games and he'll play 14 snaps in each of them over the next two years. And that's it. I don't care. $23 million, good for him. I don't care if it's a contender. Yeah. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think it, it, he's got to be healthy. It's completely irrelevant. It's not on the field, and you're right. It's been like six games, seven games, and he's had some big injuries too. It's like torn pecs and stuff. So I think um, – I don't think it's a big deal until until the game starts and he actually shows he can stay healthy, really. Yeah, and that's never going to happen. So let's okay. let's move on. Like I said a minute ago, this is going to be our Coaching Changes episode. So we are going to hit you with uh, all the teams in the league that have new offensive coordinators, new head coaches. We'll spend most of our time there because this is a fantasy football show after all. Um, there are some new defensive coordinators that we may or may not talk about. But, but Bobby, we were just talking off the air. We're probably going to have a little bit of a discussion about every team in the league, um, some of the coaching situations going on there, some other situations going on there, uh, sort of preview of the rest of the offseason. You know, we could probably – talk for hours and hours and hours. We can pick a team and just talk for hours. But we're going to try to keep it mostly focused uh, on coaching changes. What is likely going to happen on these teams that have new coaches? What's going to happen to your fantasy assets? If you've been holding on to somebody uh, in a keeper league for a long time, if you're a Miles Sanders truther, like is it going to pay off with the new regime? That's sort of what we're here for today. Uh, and, And we'll do our best to answer those questions. To be quite honest with you people watching this, uh, there each year it seems to me, at, at least to me, I don't know about you, Bobby, but it seems to me like more and more brand new fresh face coaches come out that we just don't have a ton of information on. Like it gets harder to do this, right? Yeah. I, I listen, I'll actually tell you, and I found my dip most difficult one was Anthony Lynn because technically he was never really a coordinator briefly in Buffalo. And like, so yeah, you're right. But like Clint Kubiak got his dad. I mean, like you think he's going to run his dad's offense, yeah. right? So yeah, oh, he's look. brand new. I, I say it's hard for us to do, but we're fucking <laughs> professionals, okay? We did yeah. this shit, all right? Yeah. We've got advice. We're not going to skip a team because we're pros and we're good at what we do. Amen. Well, I'm good at what I do. I haven't done a show with you yet, Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Terrible. Terrible. That's right. Yeah. All right, let's, let's dive into this thing. Hang on. Coaching changes episode. We're going to go division by division here. And on this episode, we're starting in the NFC. Uh, and we're going to start uh, with... My hometown division, it is the NFC North. You'll see it, you see it scrolling down there. I figured it out, Bobby. I figured it out. Nice. <laughs> hey, who's your who's your team? The Giants. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna maybe hit hit them a little later on, too. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, all right, let's let's start with my team then. It's the Bears. We're going alphabetically. I'm not playing favorites here. B for Bears comes before everything else. Uh, now, the Chicago Bears don't actually have any new offensive coaches right now. Matt Nagy is still the head coach. Bill Lazor, um, second-year OC there. Do have a new defensive coach, uh, Sean Desai, former safety coach right there on the same team coming in. Lord only knows what's going to happen. They let Vic Fangio go, and I got real pissed off at the Pagano hire. Um, can't be any worse than Pagano as far as I'm concerned. Anything you want to say about the Bears, or should you just should I just start, and, and you can cut me off in an hour when I'm done? 
Uh, well, I want to give you the full hour, so I'll be brief. Um, well, I think the biggest thing for the Bears is what's they're going to do. What they're going to do at quarterback, right? Is Nick Foles because Mitchell Trubisky is a free agent technically, and he could be gone. And you know, Nick Foles really didn't. He's very streaky quarterback. He didn't really show it, and he actually lost his job to Mitch, right? So, and then it's Allen Robinson. Is he going to leave? Are they going to let him leave? Are they going to franchise tag him? Um, that quarterback situation is still wide open. And until so they figure that out, I mean, whether it's Deshaun Watson, some of those, I mean, I'm sure you would love that. Um, but at Ooh. the same time, yeah, I know, Russell right? Wilson, he, yeah, right. I, I think until the quarterback situation is solidified, I think the coaching, obviously, Bill Lazor, I think, was a great hire last year. He did great things for that run game, especially with David Montgomery. And Montgomery made big strides in his second season, which is fantastic. But I think from a fantasy standpoint, we have to remember that, you know, Tariq Cohen is kind of that wild card this year for David Montgomery, keeper leagues and dynasty leagues. He had a monster season, but what's going to happen? Is he going to become more of a part of committee next next year with Tariq Cohen? So there's a couple of moving parts for the Bears. Yes, they have stability at the coaching position, but the other positions are just all over the place. So it's we're going to need a little bit more time before we can dive into the Bears more deeply. For sure. Um, I do. I do just want to say this really quickly because I think it's important for people to understand as far as Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy goes on that offense. Okay, so Matt Nagy's called the offense for most of his time in Chicago. Uh, for in Week Ten last season, he gave up play calling to Bill Lazor. It was difficult for him to do, but they had just lost six games in a row, um, and and the offense changed pretty quickly. Uh, we we saw more points. They ran the ball a lot more consistently, to your point, with David Montgomery. Simplified the play card, which has always been Nagy's problem. He's cute. He is cute, and that's a problem, okay? Um, but the the issue here is this. In week 17, uh, Matt Nagy took the play calling back for absolutely no reason from Bill Lazor. So, you know, I, I, I warn all David Montgomery owners, all Bears fantasy owners everywhere, Watch who's going to call plays next year, because if it's Bill Lazor, the offense has the weapons that it needs to to be productive. Now, what, like you said, whether it's going to be a split at running back, who knows who's going to be the quarterback? Who knows? But um, if Matt Nagy wants to take it back, trade your fucking bears, like get rid of him. He's not the play caller uh, that is is going to succeed on this team. I want to say this about Mitchell Trubisky, though. I, I, I was reading this yesterday. Um. Going back to 1936, Mitchell Trubisky has the 43rd best all-time career passer rating in the NFL. Do you believe in professional football? Do you believe that stat? That stat blew my fucking mind. That is that's. I mean, you see it on the field, right? So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's like two spots higher than Dan Marino. Better passer rating. I don't know where I mean, these fucking numbers come from because that, that was his, that was his player comp, right? Coming out of college, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> Dan Marino. All right, let's get let's get off the Bears again. Uh, no big coaching changes. Do watch for the laser naggy thing, and who is it going to be calling plays? But let's talk about the Packers, another team where we don't have any any big coaching changes here. Um, we're going to go into year three uh, with Matt Lafleur. Nathaniel Hackett is, I think, it's his second year as the coordinator there, uh, quote unquote coordinator, one of these uh, figureheads. Um, I think Mike Patton left the team at defensive coordinator. They haven't hired anybody yet, as as far as I know. But uh, no, we're not we don't expect anything to change here, right? Like this is year three of the system. They sort of figured it out last season. This team is going to be what this team is going to be. Yeah, I think that's. I talk a lot about this, and we're going to do an episode later in the year about the second year leap. And this Packers team is like the poster child for that second year. It takes usually takes a year or two. And I'd like to tell people think about your own job. You know, the first year you're kind of feeling things out. 
it's the same concept with these these football teams. And when they get a new place, run games, okay, yes. You know, it's a little bit easier to start hot right off the bat. But passing games, it always takes time. And Aaron Rodgers exploded. But it also had to do with Devontae Adams pretty much healthy all year. You know, Robert Tanyan stepping up and he filling in that tight end role. So there was, you know, MVS and, and Alan Lazard are still kind of question marks at the wide receiver two position. But the biggest question for the Packers is going to be Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. What's going to happen in offseason? Are they leaving? Is it going to be A.J. Dillon's team? Is Matt LaFleur view A.J. Dillon like a Derrick Henry, where he comes from the Titans and he says, listen, I want a big back that can you know, pound the rock 20 times? That could be A.J. Dillon. So I think that moving part is going to be huge. I think Aaron Jones is going to be gone. I think he's going to get big money in the, in the, in the free agency. But Jamal Williams could be back. He could probably be had for a relatively reasonable price, and he'd be a nice compliment to a guy like A.J. Dillon. But overall, I think you know one of the takeaways, not really a coaching thing, but is the Robert Tanyan thing. Like he was a dominant player, but he was so touchdown dependent. He was actually outside the top 12 in receptions and yards for tight ends this season, but he had 11 touchdowns. So yeah. Oh shit. Bobby froze. I don't know if Bobby froze just for me, but uh, it's fine. We're going to pick it up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick him off. We'll bring him back on. Um, I agree with him. Robert Tunyon, very touch on a pennant, very streaky. I wouldn't certainly uh, consider putting him on my fantasy rosters this season because that's not going to repeat, but we got to move off of the Packers here. We're going to move on to the Detroit Lions. Okay. So the Detroit Lions, big fucking changes. I mean, every coaching position here has changed. Both coordinators have changed. We got a new head coach. Um, So lots to talk about. Lots of changes expected. If you saw the Dan Campbell interview after he first got the job, kind of a weird dude, right? Kind of a dude that looks like he's a little bit of a wild card. Hard to trust. What do we expect on a team with a guy like this who's going to come in guns a-blazing? Matt Patricia came into this team and tried to totally revamp everything, make all the players work more in practice, and it didn't pay off. The team, uh, the players on that team sort of revolted against him. So can Dan Campbell get the guys behind him or not? Um, Bigger question probably even then what Dan Campbell can do as a coach is what's going to happen with Jared Goff, new quarterback on this team. Who's going to be at wide receiver here? You know, we, Marvin Jones might be leaving the team, right? Uh, Kenny Galladay might be leaving the team. Who the fuck's going to be there? What's going to happen with this defense? It was the worst defense in the league, worst defensive secondary in the league last year. Now they bring in Aaron Glenn to take over that defense uh, defensive coordinator, uh, former defensive back coach, sorry, for the New Orleans Satan, New Orleans Saints. Marcus Lattimore sort of came up under Aaron Glenn. So um, they have some hope there. I think we're going to bring uh, we're going to bring in a co-host to talk about these Lions with us. Let's make it happen. Oh, what's good up, evening. buddy? Good evening. Good evening. Yo, I saw y'all were in the comments. I want to jump in and say hi. Good evening here. I'm just jumping in on the Lions here. I'm a little bit late on the Bears, but I've been tuning in backstage. I want to jump in quick here. And, uh, you know, Bobby and I quickly covered the Goff and and, uh, Stafford trade. Um, I want to get your feedback. Obviously, you saw Stafford twice a year in Chicago. Uh, Can you give us just your version of the Stafford-Goff trade? Yeah, so I, I think this is actually a really good trade for both parts here. First off, 
you know, the Rams come out and they get a guy in Matthew Stafford who absolutely has been and can be electric. This guy has playmaker ability written all over him. As tough as they come at the position, can be a stud in the league. Uh, and if uh, if he if he fits into that scheme that they if they put a scheme around him rather that kind of utilizes his talents, lets him go deep more often than they ever did with Jared Goff, I think Sean McVay is the guy to, to find a way to make that work. And on the other side, now Detroit didn't get a lot back um, for him right now, but Detroit did get a lot of picks back, a lot of future back. And I think, I think they did the right thing there. They're obviously in a rebuilding year. Um, so rebuild. I mean, they got, they got, they got picks and picks and picks. I know they're going to be later first round picks they got in that draft, but look, you can rebuild with, 23rd picks in in the draft for a couple of years in a row. Like those are the kind of utility players you can pick up linemen, defensive linemen, interior guys, even assisting linebackers. Like you can make some moves there. So I think it was a good trade for both parties. Jared Goff is a fine stopgap quarterback. Shit, he played in in a a Super Bowl, right? So it's not like you're you're losing out. Um, So good trade there. Now, will he fit in the scheme? And, And more importantly, again, like will there be any weapons around him? I don't know. Right. That's all. That's going to have to be the big question in Detroit. Who the fuck is going to come back next year? I'm hearing some big time names in the fantasy industry, uh, larger platforms than us. I'll put it that way. And some of those guys have DeAndre Swift uh, ahead of guys like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and even Jonathan Taylor coming into year two as a rookie quarterback. Uh, Bobby, do you see that happening? It really comes down to the pass catching opportunities and Adrian Peterson potentially still there do you see uh do you see deandre swift actually getting the opportunity in that offense which i think the lions overall especially if you lose kenny galladay and marvin jones will probably be the worst team overall in the nfl and maybe one of the worst offenses as well well scott thanks for stepping in man i mean this is great look at us look at us the three of us together uh yeah, my bad. Water, baby. i like it i like that i was, just, I was waiting rotating in. Look, look, look. I'm sorry to, to break this up really quick. Look, <laughs> Brady Brady was ready when Bledsoe went down. If Bledsoe goes down and, wow, and, 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 and Brady, Scott. you know, if, if Bledsoe goes down and Brady's pulling a Lamar Jackson, oh, man. Tom Brady never happens. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, I'll right. leave it there. That's got Wally pipped. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, yeah, so go talk about Swift. And listen, so one thing I ta- learned about the Anthony Lynn thing is Prior to him going to the Chargers, you got to remember those Bills and Jets teams. Remember, it was like run, run, run. Like Tony Sperano, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, Marty Mortonway, like these guys that were under the Rex Ryan scheme, they were constantly top 10 in attempts. And Lynn, basically, they let go of Ken Wisenhunt this offseason. They tried to recreate some of that. But unfortunately, because of the injury to Austin Eckler, they really had the kind of a mosh posh of running backs. So, but when I was looking at Austin Eckler's eight games where he actually played 50% of snaps, he had 20 opportunities a game. He was very involved in the passing game, seven targets per game, plus 13, about 13 or so uh, carries. So he was very involved all over the field. And like you just touched on too, with Jared Goff now in the picture, the one thing I'll talk about, the contrasting styles between Goff and Stafford is insane. Stafford led the league just two years ago in deep passing rate. So He's at about 19% on passes throwing uh, per attempt. So 19% of his attempts were 20 yards or more downfield. Goff was third uh, third lowest in the NFL back-to-back seasons, about like 8 to 9%, very low. So he's 
not willing to challenge, challenge defenses downfield. When you look at Anthony Lynn's offenses over the last couple of years, even with the Ken Wizen Hunt scheme, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, even LaShawn McCoy had 50-plus uh, targets in those systems in Buffalo. So I do think Swift is going to be a fantastic buy. And me and Dweez were just talking about this too earlier, is that running games typically in year one, are not they're not bad. It's the passing games that take time. So I think they are going to lean on Swift. But I think Adrian Peterson, does he come back? That's going to be a key factor in all this because it's the novelty of Peterson. Now, granted, Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell, which is just like Campbell. Like, I'm thinking, like, just smack. He just wants to punch someone in the face every time on the field. So I'm looking forward to that. But I think Swift definitely needs to be monitored um, as a potential, you know, top 12 back next year. I want well, to say – Carry on still so, around too, right? Say that again. Carry on. Yeah, he is. But, I yeah. mean – Fuck carry on Johnson. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's on the team anymore. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but you're right. Look, uh, Anthony Lynn's running backs have been top ten in targets every year. It went as a Chargers coach. Now he wasn't the court, he wasn't the play caller there, right? But he did put together the offense for the Chargers. Um, top five in each of the last three seasons. Uh, but even when he did, he, he was offensive coordinator, called plays in 2016 for 15 games in Buffalo. And and LaShawn McCoy, you know, in 2016, he had like 60 targets or whatever it was, which wasn't a huge number. It's not Austin Eckler numbers, but it was awesome. The, the thing that really needs to be pointed out is like they got used. Like they got used a ton. Bobby oh, yeah. said it and said it and said it. They got used a ton. Anthony Lynn likes to generally slow things down on offense. He does have a very balanced attack, 58.4% pass, which is right there on the average. Um, and and I think it's a really good hire by Dan Campbell in part because of the golf trade and what you were talking about, Bobby. Uh, yeah, golf doesn't throw the ball downfield, but in, a, in an Anthony Lynn offense, the ball doesn't go downfield. Think about in Buffalo, it was Tyrod Taylor, who we all know as a guy that dumps the ball off. And then it was Phillip Rivers, who also loved to dump the ball off. Well, guys, maybe it was Anthony Lynn who loves to dump the ball off. I think you're right. This could be a really great situation um, for DeAndre Swift. The other guy that I think this could actually help quite a lot, who is on the right sort of trajectory right now, is TJ Hawkinson. I mean, again, you look at both of these teams uh, that Lynn coached for the last two teams, whether the Chargers or the Bills, tight ends, Got it done. Charles Clay was the number one targeted player on that 2016 Bills team for for Tyrod Taylor, right? So I think Hawkinson's going to be fine. And I I don't know who the hell's going to come in here and play wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, but uh, I'm not very excited about them. Like you, over the last few years between Galladay and Marvin Jones, you could get excited about these guys and kind of take them in those, you know, middle rounds or so, uh, four or five, whatever it was, and have that deep ball potential. But I am not. I'm not touching any wide receiver. Not just because Goff's the quarterback, but Anthony Lynn doesn't like to do that either. So why why fuck with the guy who's not going to get ceiling type of games when you can go get a Swift or a, a Hawkinson, probably higher than you should, and uh, do just fine. Yeah. So this is the one thing I will say. If you, and I was looking at the Anthony Lynn scheme, is that the type of receivers that flourish too, the Keenan Allen's to Robert Woods, even in Buffalo. I know Sammy Watkins dealt with a lot of injuries. Sammy Watkins did have a big season in Buffalo too, but Robert Woods actually led the team before Robert Woods became Robert Woods in LA. He did have some productive seasons in Buffalo. Granted, it wasn't really necessarily fantasy relevant, but the type of player that was kind of the lead dog and the most consistent in the Anthony Lynn scheme are guys that can play inside and out, guys that get yards after the catch. 
So I yep. think Galladay, I love Kenny G. And Sky knows I have a man crush on Kenny G, but I don't know if he's the right fit for what yeah. they're going to want to do. And Marvin Jones, same thing. These are vertical threats, guys that can take the ball downfield. I And plus with Goff, we just touched on, it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. So I think from a wide receiver perspective, Danny Amendola is even a free agent. So it's going to be a complete shakeup on offense. And like you just touched on with TJ Hawkinson, the one thing I did like about Anthony Lynn is that he did use Hunter Henry a lot in the slot. So he did break him out wide a little bit more than you typically see what we saw from TJ Hawkinson last year. So he's going to be in the slot. He's going to get a couple mismatches there playing against nickel corners. So I like that usage for TJ Hawkinson plus him going into his third season. But that all being said, I'm just never really excited for change for the passing game year one. So I'm interested to see who comes in at wide receiver. The the one the one thing I want to say about defensive coordinator here again it's Aaron Glenn uh, Saints defensive backs coach uh, what the beat writers are saying right now is that what they expect from him what he has said very loudly that he likes to do is play too deep man coverage which means very one very important thing for the Detroit Lions uh, and is that if that's if if Okuda can't get his shit together and play like the first round number one super high draft pick that they took him as. This defense is going to be fucking terrible. The kid can play. If Aaron Glenn can get him right, that is the linchpin of this defense. And, uh, I, you know, there's an opportunity for them to sort of turn it around a little bit, at least from the back and forward. But it's all hinging on how well Akuda can get his shit together. For the dynasty players out there, any reason to throw, uh, throw a shout out to Quintez Cephas, maybe being that Robert Woods guy? Let me tell you what, Quintez Cephas, Mar- LaMarco here is talking about a guy that can play inside out. Quintez Cephas is the guy that can play That's inside out. I think Quintez Cephas. Also, Okuda in college says Quintez Cephas was the toughest wide receiver to cover that he played in his entire collegiate career. So potential, I mean, like it's a it's a dart throw, a deep dart throw, but I'm throwing it. But you got to think of it this way. I mean, again, if, if Kenny Galladay leaves and Marvin Jones leaves, dart throw, yes, like name-wise. I mean, he did – you know, barely anything last year. Amendola is still around as now, whatever. But if there's everyone leaves, you know, you, yeah, you just you get that opportunity sometimes where it's just like if you're the only one left, there's gonna be work for you. And look, he could totally spoil it. But you know, golf golf's not a game wrecker, but he could be a decent game manager. And in that Super Bowl season, a lot of that was Todd Gurley early, but when he went down, it was Jared Goff late. And he can get it done. So I know deep name, but just as we're talking about the, the core there, Quintus Sivas might be someone that could be straight up free on some deeper uh, waivers potentially if you're not in you know high-profile dynasty league. So just want to throw that name out there. And, and listen, I know there's a negative stigma on golf, and, and you know in some cases rightfully so, but keep in mind he kept up Robert Woods and Cooper Cup's fantasy value. They were very fantasy-relevant wide receivers, top 24 guys. So he's capable of producing – uh, fantasy-relevant skill position players. So we can't just overlook Goff going there completely. There's going to be someone who emerges. Now, granted, the fact that if Galladay leaves and Marvin Jones leaves, these guys are going to be double-digit guys. Whoever that you know the wide receiver position is there is going to probably be a sleeper or a deep guy anyway. So it's worth taking the shot in a guy who could emerge and be a true number one wide receiver for a team. Love it. All right, let's get off of the uh, Detroit Lions. I, I'm I'm tired of talking about the fucking – I live in Michigan. I'm a Bears <laughs> fan, and everybody I know just wants to talk all about – they're making moves, right? So it's exciting to talk about the worst team 
next to the Cleveland Browns in the history of professional football. Do we want to do we want to bring on any Matt Prater talk, or are we good here? Any? No, you know what? Let's uh, let's just shut up. About to kick you off of this fucking thing, guy. Let's go on. Let's go to Minnesota. This is where nepotism lives in the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings. Okay, so. Um, Mike Zimmer still the head coach here. His son is still the co-defensive coordinator here. But with the retirement of Gary Kubiak, it is now Kubiak's kid, Clint Kubiak, that gets to step in and take the OC role. Uh, in case you're not really super familiar with this guy's coaching career, a couple of years as the Broncos quarterbacks coach. And I think Trevor Simeon was the big name when he was there. So clearly uh, a developmental coach. Um, and then he he spent the last couple of years there in Minnesota as quarterbacks coach. Uh, just put this out there: he's he's just he's he's 371 days older than Kirk Cousins, the guy who will be playing quarterback under under his offense. Now, real quick, all the interview like there's no history for this guy, right? He's never had an opportunity to do much of anything coach wise, but all the interviews say the reason he was hired is so that he can continue to run his father's offense. Shouldn't change really at all. Is that, is that kind of where you're at, Bobby? 100%. And I think, listen, we just saw this kind of with Scott and North Turner too. I mean, Scott Turner was under his dad for a long time and he kind of had, he had a lot of success his first year in Carolina and then this year in Washington for what they had at quarterback. So I'm not going to completely dismiss Clint Kubiak. He's under his dad. His dad is one of the better run game gurus of our generation under the Shanahan scheme. So I think it's great news for Dalvin Cook. Continuity. I'm a huge continuity guy. I think Scott wants to kill me. All he hears how much I talk about continuity. But I love the continuity, keeping that offense in place. You know, Kirk Cousins, even from his time in Washington, has very similar West Coast scheme there. This is good for him. Just kind of repetition. Justin Jefferson, another year in the system. He can start playing faster. I think the biggest X factor, though, for this team is probably going to be what happens with Kyle Rudolph. Now, if Rudolph leaves, I know a lot of people are talking about Irv Smith, but there was four games this year where Kyle Rudolph was out, and him and Tyler Conklin split work. I mean, he was actually – they both had 20 uh, targets in the four games that Kurt, uh, Kyle Rudolph missed. So I don't know if I'm all in, but the one thing I thought was key is that he was actually second on the team in red zone targets, and he had three touchdowns in those four games. So Irv Smith, you know, the tight end position is kind of an enigma – and if he can get you eight to ten touchdowns next season, that's a guy you can watch. So there's a lot of opportunities, especially if Kyle Rudolph leaves. I do think people are a little too excited about Irv Smith Jr. I know, I, I, I know everybody's just chomping at the bit, waiting for Rudolph to leave. And look, Kyle Rudolph, like over the last four years, has is like the third most touchdowns of all tight ends, or some crazy number, uh, where he scored mm-hmm. six every single season for the last decade. But uh, I just don't know that I'm, I'm sold on Irv Smith Jr. right now. And, and, you know, I liked your, I liked your Scott Turner reference, obviously, but to me, the big difference here is that when I listened to Scott Turner talk, and then when I watched him coach, it was evident that he wanted to use what his dad put in place and put his own stamp on it, make a couple of Mm -hmm. changes. And he did that really successfully. I personally think Clint Kubiak sounds like a fucking moron. uh, And I think he's going to try to literally Um, do nothing at all different in this offense. And that just doesn't always work out. You know what I'm saying? I expect the offense. I know there's some continuity and that is a great thing. There's there's a bunch of amazing pieces on this offense, but I expect there to be a a step backwards because I just, I just don't see 
this kid as somebody that can get out and command um, a successful offense right now. I just, I just don't see it. He seems like a fucking idiot. Well, I think the other thing about that, <laughs> I love it. I love the honesty. It's, and listen, the one thing I will say is when you have a veteran quarterback like Kirk Cousins is that they do get more responsibility. Maybe yeah. they transfer some of the responsibility of Kirk Cousins to call plays. Make, and, of course, he's probably already doing a lot of this at the at the line of scrimmage. But being more involved in the scheme and the play calling and that aspect on the field could be a thing as well. But you're right. We don't 100% know. We don't have a lot of information. Actually, I don't even think I even know who this kid was before last year so. I don't even know what he was doing before that. So I get what you're saying. Um, but I think Kirk Cousins being the veteran, understanding the system, knowing it so well, being in it for years, I think that's going to really help with that transition, keeping Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen relevant. All right, look, that's it for the NFC North. Before we move on to the NFC East, Sky, I got to ask, what's going on with that jersey behind you, brother? All right, so uh... – I'm not shy, and, and everybody knows that I'm a duck. I live down the street from Autzen Stadium. My boy Jay Herbs tearing it up with the uh, L.A. Chargers. I watched him at Sheldon High School. Holding it down for the Duck University here, University of Oregon, right down the street in Eugene, Oregon. This is a DeAnthony Thomas jersey. Ooh, My man yeah. was shredding. 2009. So we're going to throw it back for the older kids here. Well, 2009, Fiesta Bowl versus Kansas State. My man, opening kickoff, house, over 200 total yards, he got drafted, I believe, by the Chiefs. He kind of fizzled out because he's one of those like super bust guys, but you know, special teamer only kind of yeah. dudes. Fun fact: he was uh, one of a Snoop Dogg's Pop Warner kids as well. Oh, but yeah. yo, DT man, absolute <laughs> savage. Um, so I want to shout out, shout out the Ducks, of course. And look, man, Bobby already gave a shout out to Kenny Galladay. Dweez, you've been repping this threesome in Washington, which we only have probably a couple months left of that. I haven't yep. heard of any team name change, but I assume it's coming sometime soon. I also know that you are a childhood Cowboys fan. So, look, guys, if you're looking for any type of jersey, a DeAnthony Thomas, maybe another Oregon Duck jersey, Lions, Cowboys, Bears, whatever you're feeling, go hit up our boys over at the Jersey Jungle. That's on Instagram at the jersey jungle real easy it's on the bottom on the scroll make sure you hit it down on the youtube go check them out tell them we sent you sky bobby dweez from tck use the tck promo code save 10 percent on one or two jerseys and 15 percent on three jerseys and look these are already half price you get them on nfl.com they're about a buck 20 for the twill super nice game worn jerseys these are 60 bucks at cost and we're getting you a discount as well if you use the TCK promo code. So do yourself a favor, get somebody, call your shot on one of these rookie running backs. Call your shot maybe on the next big thing coming out of college. Get their college uni now before they're going to become obsolete. And uh, maybe get an OG or look, perhaps you want to get a J.J. Watt Cardinals jersey or throw it back and get one of those Houston Texans jerseys for a, a commemorative edition there. So make sure you go get your jerseys at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Place your order. Use the code TCK to get 10 or 15% off. Yo, boys, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to jump off here. We're having a lot of fun. We got Lucas in the place as well. Listeners, if you're paying attention and you're on here live with us on YouTube or Periscope, feel free to jump in the comment section. I'm going to be monitoring that, helping with production in the back end. We had a little audio uh, mishap early, so I jumped in. But um, 
I'm uh, I'm, I'm taking my Union 15 here, so I'm going to let the boys keep crushing out the NFC East for the rest of the show. But uh, you guys are crushing it. Coaching changes. Make sure you give a subscribe and a like right here on the YouTube channel as well as a rate and review, and I'll let you guys take it away. Peace. Cool. Thanks, Sky. Look, <clears throat> before we move on, um, Lucas has a request of us. Here it is. He'd like to know uh, for redraft PPR if you take those running backs that are currently in the NFC North. Let's just assume for argument's sake that Aaron Jones is a Packer next year. Um, how do you rank these guys? Yeah, Cook is obviously the clear number one. I mean, he's probably the only one of these guys that's truly elite. Uh, I think Aaron Jones, obviously number two. I think the biggest thing with Aaron Jones is he's kind of in this weird committee where Jamal Williams rotates in a lot. Now they got A.J. Dillon, but he'd still be number two. I think Swift is right behind him, though. I think Swift is going to be the emerging back with Anthony Lynn coming in this offseason, so I think I'm excited for Swift. And then bringing up the rear, your boy David Montgomery. But Montgomery I still think is great, still a top 24 back. But uh, I think Tariq Cohen kind of throws a wrench on him for 2021. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we talk about that coaching issue. Who's going to call plays? Is it going to be Bill Lazor? So forth, so on. So there could be some there could be some shifting at the bottom there. But Swift's upside right now looks good. And, and you know what? These four guys, um, I, I haven't I haven't considered it before, but this might be the best division for fantasy running backs going into the 2021 season right now. If I'm wrong, you can tell me about it later. But uh, right now. We've got to move on. We're going to move over to your division, sir. Uh, we're going to move on to the coaching changes in the NFC East. We're going to start with what I assume is your um, least favorite team in the world. It's the Dallas Cowboys. So Mike McCarthy maintains uh, that head coaching job. Kellen Moore, a third year as offensive coordinator here. Now, quick fun story, my favorite Kellen Moore story. His first year as OC going into training camp, Word is, he did not have a playbook. He decided he wanted to, on the practice field, write it with the players as they were working out. I hated on him quite a lot for that. Talked a lot of shit, but it looked go looked like it was going the right way to start the yeah. 2020 season. Do we, first of all, do you expect Dak back? And second of all, if he comes back, is this team going to be what it started out as last year? Now, second year with McCarthy third year with Kellen Moore as the OC? Well, I think a lot of this uh, really, yeah, of course, if Dak comes back, I think it's a little continuity. I'll talk about that again. But I think a lot of things last year that people, I think one of the most overlooked things was, oh, Kellen Moore's coming back to call plays. But and no one thought they were changing the offense. No, it was Mike McCarthy's scheme. Mike McCarthy was bringing in his scheme. And they even talked about Dak's footwork and changing things up. And I think a lot of people overlooked that. So it was relatively new for Dak learning that scheme, but they were coming off to, they got off to a really hot start, but a lot of that had to do with the defense being so bad. I mean, they, they did so much. Damage. I think I heard a stat the first four weeks of the seasons Dak almost had like a thousand yards passing in the second half. It was insane. Like that's garbage. That's not how you really rely on fantasy moving forward. You can't project that. But at yep. the same time, you know, the Dallas Cowboys bringing in a new defensive coordinator, maybe it was Dan Quinn. Right. So I think he, yep. he comes in and, he makes the changes and kind of helps a little bit. I think they can grow. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, you know, Michael Gallup. I mean, they have Zeke Elliott. 
But I think another key was the offensive line was not elite like it used to be. It got banged up early on in the season. They lost their left tackle. They lost uh, Zach Martin for parts of the year. So there was a lot of injuries up front. And also Travis Frederick at the beginning of the year retired. So I think there was a lot of moving parts at the line. So there's definitely optimism for them to take the next step. Second year, Mike McCarthy's scheme. Uh, Dak comes back. I think Dak is going to come back. I just don't see where else he's going to really go. But I think I'm really excited to see what they can do in the second year of McCarthy, third year with Callum Moore, et cetera. Yeah, and you know what? There were a lot of things moving in the right direction at the end of the year. That line was starting to get healthy. We saw Dalton mm-hmm. starting to succeed there. And on the defense, they started to get a little more aggressive, started making some turnovers. Now with this Dan Quinn hire, I think it's a great hire. He was a fucking terrible head coach in, in Atlanta. Like, he fucked up that defense. I don't know how he did it because his previous job – in Seattle, the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom led the league in turnovers under Quinn. Um, you know, his scheme was just as aggressive as it as it got. Maybe it was just a personnel problem. But yeah. I think pairing him and the aggressive style of defense he likes to play, he's a one safety, extra man in the box, um, it, unique blitz package kind of coach. Uh, I, think, uh, I think that defense takes a big step forward, which – might be great for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're expecting 500 yards a game from Dak, that's probably <laughs> yeah. not. But it's good to know that he can do that, but right, probably not realistic. Um, all right, let's move on then. Let's 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 do the big one, okay? <clears throat> so, the Philadelphia Eagles have a, a total turnover head coach, OC, defensive coordinator, and uh, look, I gotta be honest, man, there's they have. Three years of coordinator experience between the three of these guys, right? I don't believe uh, Nick Sirianni, the new head coach, ever called plays as an offensive coordinator in his career. Yeah. Shane Steichen had um, a year and a few games where he had an opportunity to call some plays under Anthony Lynn, uh, and then and then on defense, I, I don't know anything about this Jonathan Gannon guy. Except the the one thing I know about these three guys is that they were all friends, right? Sirianni gets the job, and he hires Jonathan Gannon, who was the cornerback's co- – not even the DB coach. He didn't touch safeties. He was the cornerback's coach uh, in Indianapolis. Apparently, people think he was really smart. He was one of the up-and-comers. Um, and then he hires Shane Steichen, who took over for Nick Sirianni as the uh, the uh, quarterback coach for the Chargers – when he left to begin with. So like they work together as well. It's just a big, like, let me hire my friends here, but what should people expect from these really young coaches? Do we have enough information to give them anything right now? I think we do. And I think the biggest reason why is these guys come from the same tree. So Nick Sirianni and Shane come from the LA chargers, uh, San Diego. These guys really do. They all started under the Todd Haley, which is crazy to think, but Todd Haley, his, uh, when he was the head coach in Kansas City, he actually gave Nick Sirianni his first job. So that's where it started. And then, of course, Todd Haley had ties to Ken Wisenhunt. And then he made the switch over to L.A. with Ken Wisenhunt, where he met Frank Wright. And then he got his job, head job with the Indianapolis Colts. So there's a lot of years of, of data to look at Nick Sirianni as a position coach under these same schemes. But the thing I did like is that the Shane, uh, Shane Steichen came over same scheme. They're they're all Ken Wisenhunt guys, so I kind of look at Ken Wisenhunt and Frank Wright, and I say, okay, where do we build from there? Uh, granted, yes, they didn't have a lot of play calling experience. Nick Sirianni did not call plays; it was Frank Wright. And then in San Diego or LA, 
it was it was first year for Shane. He was underneath Ken Wisenhunt for all those years. But looking at those schemes, I do think there is some room for optimism. Granted, you know, you're talking about guys like Phillip Rivers at quarterback. And, you know, Jalen Hurts looks like he's going to be the starter most likely. Very mobile. How are they going to take advantage of that? We just don't have a lot of history for these coordinators because, like, even Todd Haley, when I looked at him, it's Ben Roethlisberger, right, all those yeah. years. And then yeah. Kurt Warner, like, with Ken Wisenhunt and Todd Haley. And it's, like, flat-footed pocket passers. So we don't know if they're going to really utilize Jalen Hurst as a runner as much as he should. Now, do I think he will? I do. I think he should be used as a runner. He did run for a lot of yards in his limited start. So there is room of optimism from a – just a general being able to move the football in that avenue is something it didn't have with Carson Wentz. I think that's something I'm looking forward to. But overall, they need to fix. This team was decimated by injury. Right. I mean, on the offensive line, the great news is they probably get back one of the best interior offensive linemen in Brooks. Uh, he's coming off injury from last year. He comes back. Their left tackle, Andre Dillard, should be coming back. So they're going to start getting healthier. Lane Johnson was banged up half the season. So Fixing that line and then getting receivers. I mean, they need – the one biggest difference I saw from this these two offenses was the use of a tight end. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles basically had to live off two tight end sets because they didn't have receivers. Granted, was that because of all the injuries or was that a philosophy thing? I don't think any coordinator really wants to use two tight end sets as much as the Philadelphia Eagles did. But the Indianapolis Colts aren't going to be – they were not that heavy in the two tight end sets. So I think the one thing I – if Zach Ertz leaves, I think it's going to be Dallas Goddard, of course, but I don't think it's it's going to be a personnel thing. Are they going to have the receivers? Is, is, is Travis Fulgram going to take a next step? Uh, Jalen Rager going to take a next step? They need people to step up on the outside, especially because they're getting rid of, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. They're getting rid of Deshaun uh, Jackson. So from my perspective, there's a lot of opportunity for these guys, especially I think I like Nick Sirianni, but I love it for Miles Sanders. So, yes. You know, the Colts had Naheem Hines, and then you think of Danny Woodhead from the Chargers days that these satellite backs have a role. But when I looked at the actual data, you know, they're the running back ones, so Melvin Gordon to Marlon Mack to uh, even Jonathan Taylor last year, they all consistently got over 230 carries with a max of 280. So the running back, the true RB1 does get a lot of work. So they Miles Sanders can capitalize on that. Now, I do think a guy like Boston Scott fits perfectly into that Naheem Hines role, but Miles Sanders is a great receiver. So he's just another guy that needs to stay healthy, and he could really benefit from being a feature back. And Nick Sirianni has shown being a part of the coaching staffs that do feature that running back position. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it there, man, with the running back. I mean, like I have more exclamation points after Miles Sanders than I usually <laughs> see in any one place ever. But um, not only like Frank Reich said, the one, the one thing Frank Reich said about Sirianni over and over and over was that Sirianni was the reason he never stopped running the ball. Like Sirianni was the whisper in his ear every game, all game long, keep running it, keep running it, keep running it. Even in games where they should have probably gone away from the run where conventional wisdom said it, um, he, he was whispering in his ear, like run the fucking ball, dude, run the fucking <laughs> yeah. ball. Um, and, and it really worked. He is going to be the play caller. Nick Sirianni's taken on that role for the very first time ever. <clears throat> Shane Steichen will have a really big influence, though, as the only guy that's called plays ever. Again, he did it for yeah. a year and a half. Now, when he took over in, in 2019 as interim um, offensive coordinator, I, I'm, I'm kind of throwing away a lot of what happened last year on that team just because so much was in flux. Herbert steps in and everything was kind of – nobody expected anything to go the way it did, but – um, if you look at the splits for like Melvin Gordon, 
during the time when Steichen was calling plays. Like his 16-game pace was 280 carries, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns on the ground. Like mm-hmm. he likes one guy. He likes to feature one guy. In fact, if you look at the you look at the plays, you look at the interviews, you look at the scheme changes when he stepped in. Steichen likes to feature. He falls in love with players. Like not not plays, not schemes, but players. Like he decided he wanted Mike Williams to have a ton of deep ball opportunities and, and his 16 game pace doubled in yards um, when he stepped in in 2019. Obviously Keenan Allen's second most targeted guy per game last season uh, when he decided he wanted to feature him. Melvin Gordon, he wanted to be the feature back uh, when he stepped in in 2019 and it just happened. So um, that's going to happen here. Miles Sanders is going to be the guy that both of these two decide to feature and I expect a really efficient offense right like you know 57 and a half percent red zone scoring when he stepped in after a 47 percent that year he increased the yardage per run play by you know 0.8 yards when he stepped in in that same year they scored like five more points per game when he stepped in Steichen that is um, so so they know how to run a good offense. And they do that based on the guys that they like. They like to feature guys in roles. And I think Miles Sanders um, going to be really solid. I do like Jalen Hurts here. And I like the coaching situation here because first of all, both of these coaches, um, when they had an opportunity to be the quarterback coach for Phillip Rivers, I think they learned from Phillip Rivers a lot about what the quarterback role is. To me, Phillip Rivers, probably one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, at least after Peyton Manning left, maybe the smartest on field quarterback in the league. So, so they got that for him. And then Steichen with last year um, helped Herbert step into a pretty successful, at least quarterback position. They didn't win a lot of games. So I like that for them. I don't love the wide receivers, either of them on this team, maybe the deep threat. If they pick one, Steichen loves to go deep on a play action pass. Is that, is that a guy like Hightower? I don't know who that's going to end up being like, let's see what happens there. I think Goddard and whoever the tight end really struggles just because it's not really uh, – I don't expect it to be a focus of this offense. I think the short pass game is going to be Miles Sanders. Um, and, um, you know, whatever. Steichen's never had a good tight end. Obviously, Ebron in Indianapolis did a little bit better, but no thank you for me. But uh, young coaching staff, I, I, I agree with you. They're all sort of on the same page coming into this thing. Um, and to me, that page, sort of like you, screams like Miles Sanders – should be higher on your draft or trade target board than he is right now. Yeah. So the one, I don't know. <laughs> no. And, and the thing is it, like a lot of the, the Eagles, the whole thing, their theme is, can they stay healthy? I mean, there's just so many moving parts last year because of injuries, but another thing I did notice too, about this offense is that, you know, Doug Peterson, because of that two tight end set, they used their receivers had to play out wide a lot. There wasn't a lot of movement into the slot. They didn't have, yes, they had like Ward, for example, who was a primary slot guy, but their true outside receivers were not featured that much in the slot. Now this new coaching staff does. I mean, we just saw Keenan Allen, for example, his yeah. 50% snaps inside and out. He was constantly moving around. That's much be- more beneficial. You get nickel corners, you get better matchups, but also even T.Y. Hilton, for, he, even though T.Y. Hilton didn't have a great season, he was still kind of moved around a lot more than what you saw from the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers last year. Uh, so that's another thing that I didn't notice. But at the same time, is Jalen Rager going to be the number one? I just think that we need to find, like, we need to hear more about what they do in the offseason. Um, I just don't know if they have the cap space. After all the money they're going to eat with Carson Wentz not even being on the team, 
Are they going to have enough luxury to go out and splash for a guy like Allen Robinson or something? I just don't see that happen. I know it's your guy. He, I'm sure he's staying. I didn't mean that. My fault. Um, it's fine. It's fine. He should <laughs> probably leave. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting team to watch. Lots of changes. Lots of changes in personnel and in coaching mm-hmm. personnel. Let's move off of them, though. Let's come to your boys. Uh, the New York Giants, obviously, it, Joe Judge gets a second year here, even though the first year was tough. But much like the Eagles, like they had a lot of injury issues that they were dealing with. Jason Garrett, second year as an offensive coordinator here. I think I might have heard through the grapevine how you feel about him, but I'm interested to hear it from you. Patrick Graham maintains the D.C. job. Tell me um, what to expect. You're two in this system for some big fantasy names to be honest with you, Sterling Shepard, we got obviously Saquon whenever he's back, even Daniel Jones, who has shined in moments. So I was a big Pat Shermer guy. I, I did not think, listen, Daniel Jones showed enough in his rookie season and not to harp on it too much, but like when a young quarterback shows signs that he can play, why disrupt the entire offense? I, I wasn't a fan of the move. Joe Judge comes in, he brings in Jason Garrett. So Joe Judge is, a, is obviously a Bill, a Bill Belichick disciple and he originally wanted to get the Bills OC, uh, Brian Dayball, to come down to the Giants because Dayball has ties to Belichick and Nick Saban. And then he does this 180, and he goes for Jason Garrett. And and granted, like, you know, Garrett, the offenses were okay in Dallas. They really were great with the Zeke Elliott establishing that run, but it really that offensive line was dominant. And then the passing game, yes, Dak developed, and he's he's been pretty good, but at the same time – it didn't really take off until Kellen Moore took over as OC. So I was not that too excited about it. But the one thing I will say that got me, when they fired Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach, middle of the season, Joe Judge took over, uh, brought in a new guy. We just started seeing the progression of the run game. And for a Saquon Bar- Barkley dynasty and keeper, you know, he obviously him getting hurt was devastating, but Barkley's special. And we saw Wayne Gallman have success. We saw even guys like Alfred Morris doing doing some things behind that line. So there was definitely some signs of improvement from that run game. And I think Barkley's going to step right in. The, the other problem, though, is they don't have a true alpha number one. I mean, Sterling Shepard's a nice player, but he's better suited to be a number two. Slayton has not really taken another step that you would like to see, but he struggles typically against top corners, and he kind of fades out of game. So, But also, Daniel Jones was not consistent enough to support you know, three different receivers with Golden Tates. And then Evan Ingram was a big flop. I think he was one of the most underrated fantasy busts of the year because even me, I was like, yeah, Jason Garrett, you know, he uses uh, tight ends because of Jason Witten, but he likes traditional tight ends. So he likes a guy in line that can block and in the run game and then dominate through the uh, play action pass game and stuff like that. That's not Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's not going to be in line blocking. It's not what he does. So he was a huge miscast for that offense, and it showed. They just didn't know how to use him. And I'm a Giants fan, so I watched pretty much all the games. They were trying too many gimmicky stuff with Evan wow. Ingram. Yeah. And it was just like – it was just not good. And I think I would love to see him get traded and move on somewhere else. I would love to see them kind of maybe even look at a true number one receiver to put on the field, kick Shepard inside if Golden Tate were to leave. I think Golden Tate's, I think he should be back. I don't even think he's a free agent. But second year in a scheme, I talk about this a lot. It's a good second time for them to make the jump. So I would actually be interested in some of these pass catchers based on what happens this offseason. Yeah, when I when I dug into this and tried to – I did this last offseason. I looked into Jason Garrett's coaching history, scheme history, um, and here here's what my notes say, okay? It says sometimes he throws a lot, sometimes he runs a lot. 
Sometimes he ran an outside zone scheme. Sometimes he loved the inside zone scheme. Sometimes he ran a pure gap scheme. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of play action. Sometimes he's under center a lot. Sometimes it's shocking a lot. This guy like literally just does whatever mm-hmm. um, the players he has. So there's there's no way of knowing. But um, yeah, you're right about Evan Ingram. Not a really good fit. He did end up leading the team in targets, but they were such low quality targets. And like yeah. like you said, a lot of the gimmicky like end around sort of stuff. That stupid ass fucking shuffle jet sweep pass, yeah. whatever that thing is. Um, tough, tough to trust any of these pieces, but you're right. Second year in the scheme, like maybe some consistency here with, with players up front. Maybe, maybe they figure out the receiving situation because it, it was fun to watch Slayton in game one, but the rest of it, he yeah. kind of disappeared. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I will see. We'll kind of just, again, watch and see what happens, watch and see what happens for the weapons for Daniel Jones. I still think he's a good quarterback. Yeah, he, he sort of stepped backwards in year two for me. Um, maybe he can right the ship there because I'd like to see the kids succeed. But uh, those are your boys, the Giants. What do you think their record is this season? Oh man, I don't early <laughs> call. Come on, tell me you found. Um, I'd say I can see eight and eight. I, I, you know, the thing is that I like Patrick Graham a lot. I think what they did on defense with James Bradbury being like a shadow corner was awesome. So I think the defense is good. I like Joe Judge. Um, I just don't like Jason Garrett. I just wish that like they got a little more creative on the offensive side with their coordinator chain uh, decision. But yeah, I think eight and eight's realistic. I think this this division is pretty much wide open to take. I mean, we just saw that this year. I mean, well, who won? It was like six and ten. What was the final? The team that made it, it was not the only guy there. All right, last team we're gonna hit you with here. Wait, Bobby is back. Come on back, buddy. Um, we lost yeah, you for a second. You. Oh man, yeah. All right. It's all, all it's all right. I think you got your point across. across. Yeah. I agree. James Bradbury was one of my favorite players to watch all season. Let's hit our final team here, the last team here in the NFC East. It is the Washington, whatever they're going to call themselves, this season. Second year with Ron Rivera. Second year with Scott Turner. Um, now, I will say that when, when Scott Turner sort of first took over in Carolina – he did some things that were really good. He didn't think Curtis Samuel was be, being used enough on the team. So he put in a lot of packages specifically for Curtis Samuel to use his athleticism. When this was a this was a great story. Right after the senior bowl, Scott Turner was at the senior bowl, watched Antonio Gibson play, and started making play packages for Antonio Gibson well before the team drafted him onto the team because he saw him as a Curtis Samuel type player that could do a lot of things. They can utilize his size and athletic combination there. Obviously he sees JD McKissick in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing I like best about Turner as an offensive coordinator is just that he looks for ways to use people that might be a little unconventional to get the most out of what they bring and the athletic ability they bring to a team. And that's fun to watch. And it can be really successful even with the quarterback turmoil they had in Washington, there were some successful players on this team. Gibson was good in his first year, should be a lot better in the second. Terry McLaurin was good. Um, don't know what's going to happen there, but I like the coaching stability in year two here. This, to me, is one of these poster children for 2021 year two system. Maybe we see the bump. Similar to what we saw in Green Bay. Obviously, they don't have Aaron Rodgers, but how do you see the Washington situation? I, I, I agree. I love – the thing is they didn't try to 
feature wide receivers when they didn't have the talent there, right? So they got Logan Thomas involved. They got Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick involved. And I like that. And I did say this offseason when I was talking a lot about the Washington football team, I did talk about how behind Terry McLaurin, who's the next guy? And there was a lot of question marks heading into the year. I know Antonio Gibson started getting a lot of hype, especially once they released – what's his name? The running back. Darius Geis. Darius Geis, yeah. Once they released him, it was like, okay, you know, it's time for him to do his thing. And he did. He was very talented. And I think he does offer a lot of CMC type of ability with the passing game. So I think Antonio Gibson, the arrows pointing up on him. Uh, Listen, J.D. McKissick's going to be involved if he comes back. I think J.D. McKissick, he showed enough uh, on the team to be a great passing game compliment. But the other thing I got to say, though, is behind Terry McLaurin, there wasn't a true number two wide receiver. A guy that could come, maybe Curtis Samuel, he is a free agent. But if he makes the trip up to Washington and becomes the number two, that's going to be impactful. Yeah, it'd be in very impactful for Logan Thomas. It'd be impactful for the running backs because now you have another mouth to feed that's going to consistently get targets. But I think I like Scott Turner. I like this a lot. I think who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Alex Smith coming back? Is it going to be Tyler Haneke? Is it going to be Kyle Allen? I just don't know if any of those guys are going to be consistent starters in the NFL yet. Yes, Henneke put Tom Brady against the ropes and almost beat him, and they could have been Super Bowl champs, you know. Um, but at the same time, I just I don't know if any of those quarterbacks are going to be consistent enough to comp- keep those guys all afloat. I like McLaurin. I like Logan Thomas. I like those guys. But at the same time, we would like to see a quarterback come in who can support multiple fantasy-relevant players consistently. So I, I, I read today that Alex Smith is likely to be leaving the team in the next few days. So so that sort of option is mm-hmm. off the table, um, up in the air. You know what? And, and with what they did at quarterback last year, they still were relatively successful. If they can figure that out, even in the next couple of years, I think there's some real potential for some of the young studs that are up and coming on this team. Love what Jack Del Rio did with that defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, they should come back just as good. Uh, if not better with some of those young guys taking a step forward. But, uh, hey, that's it for the NFC East, which means that's it for us. Bobby, that's our first show together in the books. Oh. He's the K-Pod 364. How was it for you? Like, are you sweating? Are you feeling Listen, feeling good? Is Sky off? Because if Sky's off, it was the best pod I've ever done in my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, it's great, man. We should do this again, maybe in like a day or two, you know? Maybe in a couple of days. <laughs> look, look, if you're watching the show, um, we love that you were here with us live. If you're watching on YouTube, that's fan-fucking-tastic. Subscribe, hit that damn bell, like the video, share the video with your friends, um, all the things you can do. I believe... Though, Bobby, on Thursday of this coming week, you and I are going to get on. We're going to do the rest of the NFC, and we're going to do it at the same time, right? 7 o'clock Pacific. That makes it 10 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be right here live again if you want to come watch. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> look, look you, look, you can comment. You can talk to us while the show is going on if you watch it live. If you'd rather Listen to us. The podcast is available on the website, tckpod.com, YouTube channel. You can look at our beautiful faces. Um, otherwise, if you'd just rather chat, Sky's at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Uh, Lucas is at Lucas underscore Kaser2 on Twitter. Bobby's at FFX Factor on Twitter. I'm Dweez Nuts, all Zs, no Ss on Twitter as well. 
Come chat with us. Come engage with the TCK brand, people. Um, we're bigger than ever every day. We're getting bigger and bigger, and we want you to be a part of it here from the ground floor on up. Go hit up your boys, Jersey Jungle, on Instagram and get your beautiful, beautiful jersey as well. Uh, I, I am out of things to say, Bobby. Would you like to, to say goodbye, tip your hat, or, or give them a piece of worldly advice before we go? No, just stay with us, man. I mean, I'm excited to talk coaching changes. We're going to be doing this for the whole year. Um, I'm excited to just dive into more stuff with you, Dweez, and, and Sky, and we're doing great stuff here, so stay with us. Absolutely. It's been real today, Bobby. It's been real, people. Sky was here for a while. That was fun, but we're done. Peace out. Fuck off, and we, uh, we'll see you later. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.